Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Hello, Abundant Life. How are you today? What a great time. I love that song. You know, Jesus is our champion. Amen. He's the champion of our heart, champion of our life. Thank you, worship team. What a great day together as we welcome the presence of Jesus into this place, into our lives together as we lift up the only name that deserves to be lifted up, and that is Jesus. Amen? That is for sure. And as Pastor Ben said, we welcome online as well that you've joined us today. And those of you that are here in person, God bless you. How many of you enjoying the summer temperatures? Wow, it's warm, right? It's hot. And, uh, but hopefully you're enjoying it as we go in. The, the spring's been a little wonky with the weather. We're starting to maybe iron some of this stuff out now. Hey, I want to let you know that, um, that our midweek prayer that we've done in here in the sanctuary, I appreciate those that have faithfully come and prayed. We're going to take a break from that from June to the end of August. We'll start back again in September. So, hey, I just want to encourage you. Uh, you know, we are called to pray all the time everywhere. So wherever you are at, you know, midweek or wherever, that you would pray. Maybe it's walking through your neighborhood and praying this summer. Maybe it's taking the time just to silent your heart before the Lord and just pray and call upon his name and continue to pray for these many things that we continue to pray for in our world, our nation, and our community as well. Um, also, those of you realize that last week we had announced um, Harley Heyer, who, uh, one of our students who passed away, um, and we uh, are going to be doing a celebration of life for her here June 4th at 10.30 a.m. And I, so many of you have been concerned and praying for the family, and they want to thank you for that. Just continue to pray for them and lift them up. This is such a difficult, difficult time for them and that community there as well. And as Pastor Ben said, the house party, I'm, exer- I'm so excited for that. But don't forget to sign up on water baptisms because sign up today. Maybe you've accepted Christ. We had a lot of people that came to Jesus over Easter weekend. And if you've never been baptized, man, this is a wonderful opportunity that we can celebrate with you next weekend in both of our services for our house party. It's going to be great. And we're going to celebrate and lift up Jesus. We've been talking for the last three weeks on how God wants us to escape anxiety and depression And then also last week on offense. And today I want to speak on how to escape the trap of revenge. Revenge. And uh, as difficult as a topic as this is, that we need to escape that if that is in our hearts so that we are not caught. You know, the story is told of a woman who was bitten by a mad dog. And it looked as if she was going to die of rabies. So the doctor told her, you should make your will out. Taking her pen and paper, she began to write, and in fact, she wrote and wrote, and she wrote and wrote. And finally, the doctor said, this is surely a long will that you're making. She snorted, well, will nothing. I'm making a list of all the people I'm going to leave here and bite. And that's really how revenge works, doesn't it? If we allow it. We've been bitten. We're going to turn around and bite somebody else. And Jesus brings this term, this is his word, when he talks about being trapped, whether it's an offense, today on revenge is the word scandalon. And we talked about that last week, and I just want to just talk about that, that it's referring to the trap of offense, that's the bait that you stick on a trap, and when somebody takes and reaches in and grabs the bait, the trap closes over the victim either to kill them or it is to trap them. And that is the word Jesus uses, scandalon. And when we feel offended, 
Jesus says, you're going to feel offense. It's going to come your way. It's going to come into your life that if you take the bait of offense, you are the one that will be destroyed in it. You personally, your family, it could be your marriage, your children, could be your career, and most importantly, your relationship with God. And we have got to learn to not take the bait. And today I want to take our conversation a little deeper and talk about another very destructive trap that we can get caught up in, and that is the trap of revenge. That's the trap of revenge. There's a universal truth when we, each of us, feel offended, and it's this. When we feel wrong, it feels right to take revenge. That's kind of a universal feeling. Kind of just think of your earliest childhood memories. What happened when someone pushed you? What did you want to do? You wanted to push them back, right? Someone hits you and you're like, bam, I'm going to hit them back. That is our natural response many times. Uh, we've all heard a lot in the last couple of weeks about the slap that was heard around the world, right? And on TV, like you did this to me and I'm physically going to get up and I'm going to do something to you now because you hurt me. And, and all of those things that we hear about in our world, someone takes something from you. We feel that. What do you automatically do? Well, I'm going to take something back from you. And this can follow us if we will allow it into our adulthood. How many of you, if you were honest today, when, when you get wrong, you don't just want to get even, you want to go beyond even. Right? That is our feeling many times. In Genesis chapter 4, first book of the Bible, there's a man named Lemich, and there's not much we know about him, but what it says in that chapter, it says, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lemich 77 times, that I will destroy you 77 times more. Wow. How many of you, when you grew up in your house, you had siblings, and there were sibling rivalry, but also sibling fights? Come on, just, come on, humor me. Wow. Let's try that again. How many of their sibling fights, right? Yeah, okay, thank you. I'm like, wow, I'm feeling really left alone. I must be a terrible person. <laughs> there were sibling rivalry, there were sibling fights that happened. And I remember, growing, I remember this in my mind because I knew it was wrong. That's why I bring it out. It was like my brother growing up and uh, my brother Matt, six years younger than me, and we had family and friends over. And I remember we were in our living room running around and I remember he just wailed back and Bam, right in my stomach. And I was like, oh my, you know, and it hurts so bad. Well, I thought I would do it one step more. So instead of going high, I went low and took care of him below the belt line, okay? And that was wrong. We went in the bathroom, we apologized. He was hurt and I was hurt and all those things. How many of you know many times we just want to take it one step higher? And that happens sometimes, even in our own families, right? We just want to take one step further, and so as I introduce this topic of revenge, here's what I want to say. Revenge is always a trap because it's very sneaky because many times we want to take the bait of revenge. And here's why, if you're taking down notes, it's not wrong to want justice. When you feel harmed, when, when someone wrongs you, and it can, it can be a little bad or a really big bad, someone cheated you, someone stole money from you, or someone stole your idea, or slandered your reputation, or they even gossiped about you, or maybe someone hurt you, someone, they hurt someone you love, like your kids. Wow, it gets really personal when it gets to our kids, doesn't it? When you feel wrong, it's not wrong to want justice. In fact, 
when we read scripture, we see one of God's attributes is this. God is a God of justice. Amen? That's what the Bible says. He is a God of justice. We know that one day, all of us will stand before a holy and righteous God who is just. And, and in many ways, that thing that rises up within us that wants justice, you got to know that we were created in the image of God. That thing that wants justice inside of you then is very natural because you're after the image of God. And while that's true, it's, it's right to want justice, but it's always wrong to take revenge. When you hear that many times, you may think, well, that's kind of contradictory. I'm kind of wrestling with that. Like, it's a contradiction because one of our first thoughts comes to mind is something like this. Well, if I don't do something to right this wrong, right this wrong how will this wrong be made right? And that's a great question that today I want to talk about because Scripture has the answer. I love the Word of God. How about you? It has, it has the answer for the needs we have in our heart. And Before I share that with you, I want you to know that this teaching that Jesus introduces is so radical. It's so radical. And the advice that he gives us here is you won't hear anywhere else in the world. It hasn't come from any other religious world leader or whatever. In fact, throughout human history, the best advice that we've been given when we feel wrong is you deserve to get revenge. Even the Greek philosopher Aristotle, who influenced so much thought, he lived 300 years before the day of Jesus. Listen to what he said. To take revenge, to take revenge on one's enemies is nobler than to come to terms with it. For to retaliate is just, and that which is just is noble. We think, well, yeah, that kind of sounds right. Right? If to retaliate is just, and what just is noble, then it's a very noble thing to take revenge. This is the thought today. Realize this. How radical the words of Jesus are, not only thousands of years ago, but today. The world that we live in. Listen to how Jesus weighs into the topic on revenge, because he talks about it. He's very clear. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 6, 27 through 28. But to you who are what? listening. Why does he say that? Because Jesus knows that not everybody is listening to his radical advice. How many of you know when you're listening, you, you listen with your heart? That's what we're called to do, not one ear out the other. It's listening. Really, he's saying, listen, you know what? To those who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. It would be almost impossible for me really to overstate how radical the advice of Jesus is then and today. When you read these words, what comes to your mind? Well, that sounds really great, but Jesus, what about justice? If I don't take revenge, how is this going to be served? And that's what comes to our heart many times. And scripture tells us the answer. Romans chapter 12 is a passage that we hear this same word spoken all throughout Scripture. Before I, want, I read it, I want to give you a little context. It's, how many of you know it's very important to know the context of when Scripture is written? Not only to understand it in that day, but then how do you bring it into today? So before I read it, here's the, here's the context. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans, and he wrote it to Christians living in Rome. When he wrote this, Rome was the epicenter of the world. This is where all of the thinking from philosophy to ethics to law came from. Everything centered, it was based out of Rome. 
And Paul knew that time, that ethic on revenge was absolutely what Aristotle taught, what Plato taught, what they all taught, what great philosophers taught about revenge. So when Paul is going to do this idea about Jesus and what he's calling us to do, here is what he's saying, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. He's saying there are patterns in our world, and I'm asking you not to conform to what everybody else is doing in the world. What I'm going to ask you to do, though, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to have a completely different set of thinking and thoughts when it comes to this idea of revenge. Can we today, can we just admit maybe we need a radical change when it comes to the ethic and the idea of revenge? Can we really argue today with all of the revenge going on in our world that our world is getting better? No. Our world is not getting better. Our world is swimming in a sea of bitterness today. So maybe as we come to this topic, this radical idea that Jesus gives us, this, this new command, this new ethic that the Apostle Paul brings into the equation, Paul tells us don't conform to everything you see around you, all those people taking revenge, the Greek and the Roman philosophy. No, no, don't do that. He says, I have a brand new ethic. And he goes on just a few verses later and begins to explain it to us in verses 17 through 19. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't do that. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, because how many of you know, sometimes it depends more than just on you because there's another person in the equation. Live at peace with everyone. But Paul, what about justice? In the very next verse, Paul gives us the definitive answer on what we're to do with the trap of revenge. Here it is, verse 19. Do not take what? Revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's what? Wrath. For it is written, he's quoting Deuteronomy here, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. This is rich, this is deep, and here is what we've said so far. The first one is, is, it's right to want justice, but it's wrong to take revenge. Verse 19, do not take revenge. Don't do it. Why do we want to take it? Why do we want to do it? Your answer may be because I want justice. It's deeper than that. The reason we want to take revenge is because we don't want to deal with the bitterness in our own hearts. And anytime we reach in, and we grab that bait, and that trap has been set, immediately it puts bitterness into our heart. And when bitterness seeps into our heart, you and I will have to deal with it some way, somehow, down the road. We think maybe by getting even, or get going above even, that it will be able to strip some of the bitterness that exists in our heart because we are so hurt. What's amazing is modern science now tells us that when you take revenge in the moment, it actually does help. That's what the study. In 2016, a group of Swiss researchers and scientists got together and they wanted to know what happens to the brain and our bodies when we take revenge. They invited a group of people to participate in the research study. It was a large group of people. They put them through kind of a game where they got money 
and their job was to build their money, but unbeknownst to them, there was a person in the group, and this one person cheated all the other people out of their money. They took it all for themselves, cheated everybody else. And then the researchers gave half the people the ability to take revenge against the person that harmed them. The other group, the other half, was not allowed to take revenge against them. The whole time that they're doing this study, they have their brains hooked up on a machine that's scanning their brains and seeing what's going on. And what is interesting, the group that got to take revenge immediately as they looked at it, the brain lit up in the region of the mind that controls happiness, joy, and peace. It just glowed. When you and I get to take revenge in the moment, it feels really, really good, doesn't it? Afterwards, they interviewed the people. They asked, didn't it feel good to take revenge? And they said, yes, it did. felt amazing. Then they interviewed the people that weren't able to take revenge and asked, do you wish you could have taken revenge? Would that have made you feel better? And they were like, yes, absolutely. We wish we could. Months later, they took the same group of people and they did the same research. And here's what they found. The people that took revenge were not able to overcome the bitterness and offense and that wound was now seeping and has seeped into their heart. The people who weren't able to take revenge, it was much easier to overlook and to move on with their life. When you take revenge, it leaves a wound open and you can't move on. This is not biblical research here. This is secular scientific research, but I love it when science finally catches up with the word of Jesus Christ. Amen? Revenge in the moment feels rewarding, but revenge in the long term never releases you from the trap. God wants us to move forward today. And don't take the bait. Jesus knew this, that revenge doesn't remove the pain. It actually magnifies the pain and keeps us in the pain longer. I, I, I don't know what each of you have gone through, but... I am sorry for the pain that you are enduring today. Well, I don't know your pain, I do know mine. But I know this, that God wants justice even more than you want justice. What are we told in scripture? That it's God's job to take revenge and he's better at it than you. In fact, God's better than you at everything. Right? It's true. I know that. While you dream up a way to get revenge, God says it's not your job. Remember, he said, it's mine. It's my role. This is God. It's not yours. I will repay. Why do we want to take it into our own hands then? Because we want control of the situation. God's told us it's not our job. Because responding to evil with evil doesn't overcome it. It actually only adds to it in our heart. Someone said this, I don't know who did, but this is an amazing quote. Before you embark on a journey of revenge, you should first dig two graves. Your grave along with the person you're trying to get revenge against. The Bible says, God's word to us is, we are told to leave room for God to move and to act. Number two, you need to leave room for God to fight for you. Leave room, verse 19, for God's wrath that he will come to your defense and he will fight for you and he will avenge you. It's God getting into the ring to fight for you, to fight your battle, 
that you and I were never designed to fight in the first place. Can, can you just think of this for a moment? Think of it in terms of like tag team wrestling, if you will, right? Now listen, I grew up, my dad, my dad watched WWF wrestling all the time whenever he could. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever I went to the room, he would he'd be in the basement. He'd be down there at night. He'd be wrestling. He's yelling, yeah, go. And I mean, you got the great Randy Macho Man Savage. I'm taking you back now. The great Kabuki Hulk Hogan, right? All these names. I'm going to take you way back. Bob Backlund. I mean, that's a, I mean, oh, the Orton brothers. I mean, on and on and on. Now it's WW what? E? WWF went to WWE, and I, I mean, as I grew up, I got all I said, Dad, you know that's fake, don't you? You know that. No, yes, it is. My mom would say the same thing. Jerry, you know that stuff is fake. So what you got to realize is you have to look at revenge this way. You have to look at it as a tag team effort with you and God. Because you and I were never designed to fight and to take on the bait of revenge. That you realize in a ring, God says, hey, listen, if you were in that and you were stuck in that today, the opportunity that you need to take is you need to tag me in as God and bring me into the occasion so that I will fight for you in the midst of it. So long before, let's get ready to rumble. You got to bring God in. You got to bring him into the equation. And you got to allow him to fight your battles for you. By the way, I do not suscept my kids to WWE because I don't even watch it either. So, If you stay in the ring, and if I stay in the ring, we get destroyed. There are rules in tag team wrestling. Once you tag in your teammate, you got to get out of the ring and let someone bigger and stronger and better equipped in the ring to fight on your behalf. And that's what God says, I want to do for you today. You and I are called to tag God in. But, but some don't want to because what happens is we think we're better at it than God. But, but, but it puts you in a spot to try to fight a battle that you and I were never designed to win. You can't win in revenge. Revenge, though, gives us the illusion of control in a battle we will always lose. And God says, I am right here with you, and it's my, my power and strength that can see you through this, and I will help you. You just need to tag me into this moment and allow me to fight it for you. Third, when you take revenge, you take God out. You literally leave God out. If you're going to stay in the ring and say, God, no, I got this, you, what happens is you leave God out of the equation to fight for you. I have done this. And so when I did this and tried to handle this myself, it's left me bitter. You're not good at revenge, and revenge is not good for you. Don't leave God out. Let him fight it for you. See, every time you hand over revenge to God, he will come to your defense that not only will make you stronger, but it protects your heart and from the bitterness that would try to seep in and take you out. 
What hangs in the balance is if you release control in releasing revenge. What, what hangs in the balance? Well, we've all got better things to do than spend time dreaming up revenge on someone else. Aren't there people in your life that demand your best? Your spouse? Your children? Some of you, your kids are begging for a mom or dad to get over your bitterness or your grandchildren. You have a career that could be possibly held back because your energy is holding on to bitterness and revenge today. Later on in the chapter in Romans 12, 21, he says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. God wants to step into this moment in every moment that comes along our pathway. And he's, Jesus said, offense will come. It, it's for sure going to happen. It happened to Jesus. It'll come. But it's what you do with it. We'll want to, we'll want to seek revenge on somebody that did something against us. We do because we want the feeling of control. And it may make us feel better in the moment. But in the long run, Jesus says, it will eat you alive. I thought about this story that I've read in the past. It says after the defeat of Hitler's Nazi regime in World War II, Holocaust survivor and Christian Corrie ten Boom returned to Germany to declare the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. One evening, after giving her message, she was approached by a man who identified himself as a former Nazi guard from the concentration camp at Ravensbrück, where she had been held and where her sister, her sister Betsy, had died. And when Corrie saw the man's face, she recognized him as one of the most cruel and vindictive guards from the camp. And he reached out his hand and said to her, a fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, will you forgive me? And about this encounter, here is what Corey Tenboom writes. I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for asking? It could have been many seconds that he stood there hand held out but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us but forgiveness is not an emotion I knew that too she said forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart Jesus help me I prayed silently and as she reached out her hand to the former guard, Corey says that something incredible took place in that moment. She continues, the current started in my shoulder and it raced down my arm and it sprang into our joined hands together and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. I have never 
know and love so intensely as I did at that moment. But even then, I realized it was not my love. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. My challenge today for all of us is this. That we are, we live in such a world full of revenge. Jesus said, I've brought a new dynamic. I brought new commands. Here's the new way that I want you to do this when revenge comes, when things come upon you, when suddenly they are there. And my challenge is threefold today for every single one of us. Here's the challenge. Number one, would you name who you want revenge against? If you do, I'm not saying everybody does. I'm just saying if you do, if that's in your heart today, if there's like, well, yeah, I want revenge against you fill in the blank. Who is that? Number two, would you tag God in and leave room for him to act on your behalf right now? And third, would you redirect your energy towards something good, something life-giving and be reminded of what God has done for us? Name them. Tag God in and leave room for him to act. Third, redirect your energy towards something good. Give your energy to what is good. Give the best of you towards what is life-giving rather than hanging, hanging onto something. I know this is, this is not an easy message because we all, it's easy to preach. It's, it's hard to live. Jesus said, if you're really listening, I'm telling you this. Will you do it? Because it's a new dynamic. You're really listening. Love those that have hurt you. Now today, I want us just as an act of worship today, that all of us here, those online, wherever you're at, would you take this moment and would you just put out your hands like this? Would you, everybody? Would you? That in this moment, as you put your hands out in front of you, it's an act before God that you're saying, God, I am releasing revenge and offense or any other thing that God brings to your mind right now. Maybe why I've been preaching, the Holy Spirit reminded you of something else. Would you, as this act of worship, would you quit holding on to it and staying trapped? But would you just release it right now? And I am praying as we do that in this room that the power of the Holy Spirit will rush through your body and come down your shoulders and release. Some of you are so bound up you need to be released from that today. You were never designed to carry it. Only God can. May it rush down your arms, go through your body today and release you and free you up to be the child of God he's called you to be. And that in this moment, you're gonna tell God, God, I will not be trapped any longer for the great things that you have in my life. My calling that you have given to me is too big to demand my right for revenge, Lord. For the wrong that's been done. 
to me or to my children or to my spouse or to someone else in my life that, oh, maybe it's been a parent or maybe whatever it may be, an aunt or an uncle, that right now, Lord, we release it to you. And I believe, God, as you do that, you are bringing healing in Jesus' name. Jesus, bring your healing. Help us in this moment to live today and every day forward in the new dynamic to love one another. Father, I pray that over us as a church and over us as a body. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.